Support the team at Waggle Golf. Local Minnesota brand and oh-so-comfortable clothing. Best hats, shirts, hoodies, and more. Endorsed by Bucigras, Carlo Koliakovo, and most importantly, the Soda Pod. Check them out at GetYourWaggleOn.com for the best damn golf apparel in the United States. GetYourWaggleOn.com today. Now back to the show. When With me here for a new segment every Wednesday, we're calling it Armchair GM. Super, super clever and original. We have Brett Marshall of Sound the Foghorn. Brett, thanks for jumping in. I know this kind of stemmed from uh, last summer. I think we got had a couple drinks and stayed up and virtually oh, yeah. went through spreadsheets <laughs> and tried to come up with how we were going to navigate Capel. Yeah, it would be interesting to go back and look at how horribly wrong that was be- <laughs> as a good reference for how probably wrong this will be. Oh, yes, very wrong. <laughs> Although I feel like now maybe it'll be a little better because we have some inkling of probably what they're going to do. But man, I'm not convinced I ever have an inkling of what Karen's going to do. But I have some yes, gut better feelings. inkling, better inkling. Yeah. <laughs> so high level, everyone, if you, you can't tell from the title armchair GM, we're just going to go through hypotheticals here until big moves get made by Garen, which who knows? That could be a couple weeks. That could be till late in the summer. He does whatever the fuck he wants, but we just want to go through exercises, see if players being added to the roster, which we know there's so many that you all clamor for. See if it's something that makes any sense for this team short term next year or two, as we go through the, the buyout exercise for Parisian suitor. I mean, biggest needs, I would say, Brett, let me know if you disagree. I mean, top six center, whether that's a one C two C that's kind of semantics at this point. A replacement if they don't keep Kevin Fiala there. So second line winger, just someone that can play again with uh, Matt Boldy. And that could be internal. We'll see. There will be a lot of scenarios. And at some point, we're going to have to figure out who's going to play goalie the next year or two. But, I mean, anything big that you see kind of being the key here? No, I think it's just, I wouldn't even say it's like a top necessarily like center that you need you need a top six forward i think in general whether that ends up being on the wing or at center i think any player of that sort um not to get too far ahead but like i think right now before any moves made i think we're assuming that's rossi but i don't think there's any planet where this is assuming we move on from fiala where rossi is going to be an 85 point player in year one if he was that would be incredible and like one of the most historic rookie seasons of all time and i would it would, it would do things to me, but <laughs> um, I think that's kind of where it's headed, at least as of now, or yeah. kind of where we're at, but we'll see. Yeah, and if everything stays the course, I mean, I think that is the plan if there's no move made. I think if there's one thing we've kind of gathered from Bill Guerin is that he doesn't really sit still and not do mm-hmm. anything. He's going to shake shit up. Where that's going to be, we'll see. But going into this year, we're looking, I guess we're going to look at the next two years. We can establish year one being 2022, 2023, year two being 2023, 2024. Forward group with 10 guys signed, we've got almost 33 mil. And year two, we've got 28 mil for six players. So obviously, as time goes on, we're going to have some wiggle room here. But 
a lot of money dedicated there already, especially when we factor in the buyouts. Uh, yep. Defense, right, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just saying, yep. <laughs> defense, year one, we got almost 26 mil, which I, shouldn't come as a shock to anyone. We've always had kind of an expensive blue line with seven guys, which we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but we're looking to sign an eighth. And year two is going to be just short of 17 mil for four guys. So that's where we see a little bit more flexibility and wiggle room as we go through some of these sometimes ranging hypotheticals. Uh, goalie, year one, we currently are committed to 366. And year two, zero, because uh, we have one more year of Cam Talbot, and that's it. And, yeah. of course, the buyouts that we need to make sure everyone's aware of. 12.7 for this coming season. 14.7 in the following. So that's really the issue that we're navigating here, which I do think there are ways to keep this roster competitive. Obviously mm -hmm. a lot of this is going to come down to who's in the market for some of the guys that we have. And man, we got to figure out here quick. Let's lay some ground rules, get some assumptions in place for the players on the roster this past year that might return. Yeah. Um, so I can just kind of start. So I operated roughly under this assumption. So the current state of the team as it is, as of Monday, May 23rd at 9.16 p.m., uh, the forwards under contract right now are Kirill Kaprizov, Ryan Hartman, Matt Zuccarello, Matt Boldy, Freddie Goudreau, um, including Marco Rossi in this mix, uh, Jordan Greenway, Jewel Eriksson-Eck, Marcus Foligno, Tyson Jost, Brandon Duhame, uh, Connor Dewar, Kevin Fiala, restricted free agents, Nick Bugsteg, Nick Delore, unrestricted free agents, and on the blue line, under contract, you have Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Bardeen, Matt Dumba, Alex Goligoski, Dmitry Kulikov, John Merrill, and I'm also including Kalen Addison here. You have Jacob Middleton as an RFA, uh, Jimmy Ben as an unrestricted free agent, and then goalies, of course, Talbot under contract, and then Fleury, unrestricted free agent. So the players under contract, not including any of the RFAs, they have plus any buried cap, which I don't think they technically have right now, is $62.3675 million. Uh, they have the twelve million seven hundred forty-three thousand five hundred eighty-eight of dead cap from Breezy Suter, which, if you include um, Addison and Rossi in the current cap calculation with all the other players they have under contract, they have exactly seven million three hundred thirty-eight thousand nine hundred twelve dollars in cap space before any trades of any kind are made, as things stand right now. Beautiful. So, let's get into the ones that we just have kind of already written off at this point. I mean, you've, you were leading this charge, but I don't disagree. Not really a world in which we're going to keep Nick Deloria, right? Unless, you know, again, we trade off some guys. He ends up being the 13th forward, whatever. But at that point, it's kind of negligible what the name is. Yeah. I think for me, the only way he's really kept, like you said, is if they trade another forward, not named Fiala, notably like a Tyson Jost. And like you said, they bring him in as kind of the, 12th slash 13th forward. I just, I think we saw injury or not. He just was not effective in the playoffs whatsoever. Um, so I don't think he's a guy you're going to make a huge investment with. I mean, he obviously said he liked it here. You know, the impact in the regular season, I think was felt a little bit more with being able to fight. But when that kind of teetered off and I don't think I've seen an actual, like two guys drop the gloves in any playoff series yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I don't think there has been. So like, it's just, it, I don't think you're paying more than, the league minimum for a guy like that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I'm really looking to to sign. I'm not making like a priority signing, you know, unless I'm not to get ahead of myself, but I'm trading another forward, maybe like a Tyson Jost, but 
Yeah. I mean, let's be real too. I mean, there are teams that absolutely want what he brings. So odds are, even though he wants to come back here, so he says, like, league men might not get it done anyways. So for the purposes of these exercises, we're we're probably saying goodbye to Delorier, where I think the flip side is a guy like Nick Bukestead, who under current roster construction, we'd assume is not being brought back. But in the scenario you just brought up, where Tyson Jost has moved for a cap casualty, Bukestead back at a one-by-one probably makes sense. Yeah, or something similar. I think right this year he's on like a one by like nine hundred K. Something similar in that range. I know. I think he's been I feel like anytime he's been called upon, he's been exact coach you want of a fourth liner. Like nothing flashy, but not really one turning the puck over. He's not creating a ton of offense, but creating enough. And um we talked about this a little bit on Sound the Foghorn. I think maybe we didn't. Um, but um when him and Connor Dewar played together this year. They had like a 62.5% expected goal share. So I would have them on the same line probably if it were me, but I just know deep down in my heart that that will not happen pretty much no matter what. So, Yeah, that's, I mean, why should we have nice things? Yeah. And I'll even say too with him, not a long-term thing you want to do, but said is the guy that has the pedigree where like, you're in a pinch players are hurt, whatever yeah. he can play up the lineup for a couple games and fill right. that void for you. Yep. Um, so I, I like having that kind of guy for versatility sake. Um, the last one that we, we really haven't landed on a, a consensus for, uh, or I guess, Nope, sorry. We got two more, That's two more. Yeah. Um, well, well three, but one that we're kind of tabling. Uh, so Duhame is one that's coming up here. He's got one more year before RFA. Um, looking, I mean, this one's kind of hard to judge, but looking at past comparables, we landed at three years for 1.2 per, which is probably generous, but yeah, for the purpose of making sure we're under the cap in all situations, we overestimated intentionally, but yeah, handful of overestimating with a couple of these, um, Goudreau year two, right? Cause he's on for one more year. We assume Slight haircut, but somewhere around the one by one figure if he comes or, back for one more year. I mean, maybe it's even a slight race, like a two million, but I don't think it's going to be anything like really crazy unless he really continues to play a huge role, which I think with the emergence of Rossi and Hartman's emergence last year, I just I don't think there's a long term play for him in the top nine. Maybe yeah. there is, but I think it's going to continue more of that complimentary piece. So, but they do love him. So who knows? Yeah, and he is one of the guys, though, too, as we get into some of this. Like, when we talk about regression candidates, he's yeah. probably at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just yeah. level off. Like, that probably right. is the best you'll get out of Goudreau. Yeah. Like, I don't think his worst will be a whole lot more. I mean, next year, he's not he's not going to put up the offense he did without Kevin Fiala this year. But right. he'll still be serviceable, I think, as a bottom six. But So it's just, I guess, where do you... How much do you think he's worth compared to what you have and what you could get, I suppose, is kind of what it boils down to. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, comes down to the market that's there for him, too, at the time. But uh, last one, Boldy, which kind of up for discussion still at this point, what that could look like. Does he sign his final ticket? Does Garen talk him into a bridge to get us through the the cap hell? Um going to be continued speculation for the first couple of these for us at some point maybe we'll land on a more firm number that we're gonna move forward with is our assumption but very different outcomes just depending on that piece for sure yeah i think it's almost you almost have to bridge them i don't think you i think as much as they'd like to like 
signed with McKinnon type contract at like eight years, like six point one million. Um, one, I think Matt Boldy is smart enough to know not to do that, and his <laughs> agent, um, seeing what a guy like McKinnon has done and what he will be worth in three, four years time. Um, I think the bigger question is, does that bridge deal? Is it two years? Is it three years? And is it, you know, is it in the three and a half million range or is it closer to be five or six? Um, I think anything in that realm is really on the table. Um, you know, if I'm the wild, maybe I try to get ahead of it this year after year one, and maybe you can take a little bit of a haircut where if, you know, he continues to really explode and becomes, you know, a point per game player this year, which I'm not ruling out. And maybe that bridge deal even has to be a little more expensive. So, but I think he understands situation. I think he knows like, Hey, if once we get out of this cap hell, I'm going to get paid. Like, I don't, I don't think that's really a worry for him. It's just a matter of, you know, when he wants to get paid and how much. Headline coming out of this episode, Brett Marshall compares Matt Boldy to Nathan McKinnon. I love it. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on to defense. This is where things get slightly dicier. I don't think bit. there's any uh, question though, for both of us, not only will Kulikov not be re-signed, the trading of him is pretty much pivotal in any kind of move you're going to try and make. Yeah, I think to keep the guys you want to keep, and I think, I mean, you look at, you know, it. I think they signed him for two years. Just, that's probably what it took out of free agency, but they just extended two guys that are, you know, in theory, they're bottom pairing this year in Merrill and Goligoski to two and three-year extensions, so they are both now under contract longer than him. And I think, you know, I think it can e we could easily have that sour taste in our mouth from, you know, the two horrendous playoff games he played this year. Um, but, you know, though though he was a big key in those losses, I think, you know, a lot of the team didn't play their best games, um, those games. And I think at 2.25 million, and I think he's still under 30, he can play the left or the right side. There will be a team out there that will give you, a, you know, a third or fourth round pick for him, I think, which, I you know, Knowing Judd Brackett, he'll turn that into like a top nine forward or a top four defenseman. So um, I think that's definitely something they'll explore. Um, you know, Goligosk is a full no move, and I don't know why you would sign John Merrill to a three-year extension and then trade him. Um, and I also don't know why you'd be scratching at a minimum a $1.2 million player uh, every night if that would be John Merrill. So um, I really do think the writing on the, is on the wall for him. So one way or another here. Yeah, and I'll deny it when Isha confronts me, but, I mean, Kulikov, just like you said, looked bad in the playoffs, recent memory. There's been ups and downs in the season for him, for sure, but yep. end of the day, there are teams that can use a Kulikov, and even if it's getting a middling pick, whatever, at the end of the day, like, the important thing is removing him from the roster so that we have the cap space, so I think that's kind of negligible, too. Um, yep. So the two that really matter, then, basically forming the top four for defense. First, we'll, we'll talk the restricted free agent, Jacob Middleton. This is, uh, I mean, you said it before we jumped on. This is one of the tougher ones to try and project what could happen just because of the limited track record. Yeah, I mean, there aren't too many defensemen that are 26 that, you know, are restricted free agents and are in, you know, essentially your you can call it your top pair or your one B pair. Um, you know, the compliment to your captain that, you know, I think for the most part, we saw a couple bad games here and there from both, but overall, I think he added some really nice stability to next to Jared Spurgeon. And you know, we, we saw a couple different guys placed there throughout the year. They tried Brody in there to start the season. It was Goligoski for a period of time, but they felt the need to 
to change that at the deadline and bring in Middleton. Um, so I think he's, and you know, you gave up, a you know, potentially a, a good goalie prospect to get him. Um, so I don't think he's a guy you're going to let walk or trade or whatever. So I, I think Middleton's a guy they got to keep, but then you look in terms of like comparables, like the only one that really comes to mind actually is a former wild defenseman was Carson Soucy, who the wild extended, I believe it was three by 2.75 million, um, right before he was, um, plucked off the roster from expansion. Um, but I think, you know, we've already seen he plays bigger minutes than Susie, probably a little bit bigger role um, than him. So he probably comes in above that 2.75 number. Um, but then I look at like a, a really solidified, like def- good defensive defenseman, like an Adam Larson, um, also in Seattle, who do I believe got a four by four. I don't think he probably comes in that high. So I'm thinking somewhere between that 2.75 and four at like a three to four year deal. Um I, I mean, it totally shooting from the hip. I, I pencil them at like three by three and a half. That might even still be a hair generous. Um, but I think if the wild could lock in that, you know, you'd basically essentially, we'll talk about Dumba in a minute, but you would have both of your top two pairings locked in at about, I think it would come out to about 10 million each. So 20 million in your top four, which 5 million each for your top four defensemen as an average, I don't think is terrible. I mean, shit looking before the suitor buyout, wasn't it? coming in at like mid 20s i think yeah because <laughs> he would have been he would have been like seven three spurgeon would have been seven five dumba at six brodine at six so 12 and 40 yeah it's like 26 27 that's a lot more prohibitive which yeah. obviously i mean you can make what you want of where the buyout dollars are allocated right now but end of the day um when you just look in a vacuum at the top four 20 millions reasonable yeah, I don't know how that compares to league wide, and you'd have to probably just, you know, it'd be tricky with, you know, are you including ELCs in there and all that jazz? But yeah, I mean, I know we did this exercise the other summer before the buyout again, and I think that probably puts you right around like top third, like edge of top third for the yeah. league. So, like, again, not outrageous, but certainly could be cheaper. But obviously, there's a lot of teams out there that have pretty shitty blue lines too, and that's. Yeah, and, it's, in. and I believe their top four before are very quality defensemen. They all bring different things to the table. I mean, Spurgeon's one of the best two-way defensemen in the league. Jonas Breen, one of the best shutdown defenders in the league. Uh, Matt Dumba, who we'll talk about in a bit, I think has evolved into a very quality two-way defenseman. Um, and then Jake Middleton, kind of that stay-at-home shutdown complimentary. You know, I would probably call him the number four D in a sense, but I think you know Spurgeon's your one, Brodeen's your two, Dumba's your three, Middleton's your four. Shit, um, man, I'd even argue Brodeen's the one. Yeah, I mean he could be. It just depends what you value. I mean he's gonna be he's gonna get the harder matchup, but I think Spurgeon probably plays the most minutes with you know him playing both the power play and the penalty kill. But I mean, call him one A one B. I don't think. If you, I mean, no matter, yeah, until no matter who, Kalen Addison takes over. <laughs> yeah, another name I'll probably talk about too. So, <laughs> all right, well let's just get right into it then. Matt Dumba. I mean, we're we're pretty much under the assumption at this point that if he makes it past this season, which I mean, shit. He, every year he's the one that's getting traded and it never happens. So you know, after some of the things we heard Billy say on K-Fan, if he's willing to take a haircut, the assumption is he's staying, right? Yeah, and I think if you've kind of read between the tea leaves too, if you've listened to Russo enough and listened to, to Garen, I think that's the plan. Um, you know, we always say on Sound the Foghorn with, with Russo, he doesn't say stuff unless, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire with him. And I feel like he's been hinting at this Fiala trade for over a year, right? He's been saying that the wild, you know, like Dumba and are looking at extending him. Um, 
And, you know, I think that that $6 million contract kind of came when he had, you know, kind of that breakout looking type where he was, you know, on pace to score over 30 goals and be like the ninth defense in all time to do that gets the big injury and really since then hasn't quite had that offensive punch. But like I mentioned, it's kind of brought that two way game. I think is rounded into a, just a quality top four defenseman, you know, maybe not the potential top pairing defense that we thought was maybe in the cards when he, you know, kind of started off here. But, you know, I think you could do a whole lot worse in your top four than Dumba and as much hate, hate as he gets um, a lot of areas have, have improved for him. And I think, you know, him, you know, he's been very vocal about how much he loves it here. We know what he's done for this community um, off the ice too. I really do think you could get him in here probably under four and a half million on a four or five year extension. I really do. And I would be, honestly, I would be pretty happy with that. Yeah. I think the number we're going to play with is four, two, five. Yep. Yep. And I mean, obviously Bill Guerin gives zero fucks about anyone's feelings, but at the end of the day, like, is there any degree to which, Kaprizov wanting him there matters. I think partially, um, and I think one area I think you know among the fans, like we got to trade Zuccarello, blah blah blah, and I'm like, um, you want to tell Kaprizov that and see what he thinks about yeah, trading away Kaprizov his best friend? Will be thrilled. Um, that's great to get rid of productive players that are on pretty reasonable contracts for their production, and oh yeah, he's got a ten team no move. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that absolutely matters. I mean, you you know, how much did we hear this year about the importance of culture in that room and one way to quickly tear down culture? I mean, obviously, I think at some point, guys understand, you know, hockey's a business and you can't keep everybody. But I think, like, that move would just feel like a forced move to me to move a, a Zuccarello. But, like, um, you know, Dumba's, you know, he was given that A, and I don't think he was given that A to have it for two years. I, like They would have given it to Brodine or Eck, who got extended, you know, six to eight years each. I mean, Billy Garen was given a letter right before he got traded. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit different. He was a little bit older. Yeah. But. Um, no, I, I'm with you on that. And yeah, at the end of the day, everyone likes to beat on Dumba because like he's just the style of defenseman that's usually pretty easy to pile on. Dude, fuck. Over the past decade, the amount of times people have said that Latang's a joke and that he should be traded, literally just had a career year at age 35. Like, yep. what are we talking about? So, yeah. It's yeah, he he's what I like to call a high event player. Him and Fiala are the same in that sense. Like a lot's going to happen at both ends of the ice. They're going to generate a ton of offense, but because they're taking those chances, they're going to create some turnovers and there's going to be chances the other way. And there's going to be some egregious turnovers that lead to goals, but there's also going to be some really nice plays that lead to goals for your team too. So I think you just have to understand that's what you're going to get. And that's not going to change. And I think you look too, is like, that's a perfect compliment for a guy like Brodin, who's very responsible. We've seen him cover in the past, but those two, you know, they've, they love playing to each other. They're, you know, they're best friends too. Um, and I think, you know, Brodin, we, we've seen him, you know, not look as great with Spurgeon. He wasn't particularly fantastic with Kulikov. Like he's at his best when he's playing with Matt Dumba. And I think, you know, that matters too. So. Love it. Now, last piece then is, well, the real question that we all need to figure out goaltending. Um, yep. And I, man, I'm sure you have a different opinion, but I trust 0% of what's being said right now. Everything's a smokescreen on the goalie side of things for me. Like, yeah, Garen wants to keep both. I also know that that like, they seem like they have a good relationship. Maybe not like to what extent is he covering himself? If flurry walks to make sure the Talbot's happy, 
Like, I just don't know if his plan is like, or is his goal to keep both or is he kind of playing one side of the fence or the other? Yeah, it's definitely tricky. I mean, I think the playoffs especially muddied the waters, you know, with Dean Evison coming out, always oh, an easy decision. Like, and I don't know if that, you know, it probably wasn't interpreted the best. I think it was, you know, I think it was the decision. It was, it wasn't easy to pick Talbot. It was easy in the sense that we couldn't have a wrong decision. Um, you know, it, we didn't, we wouldn't be a wrong decision to pick Flurry or Talbot, but I don't think he came out and said that the proper way. We saw Kelly Talbot, you know, take some offense to that. And I'd <laughs> assume that she and her husband probably have similar views there. So the reality is right now is Cam Talbot isn't under contract. Um, could there be a trade market for him? Sure. Uh, but the thing to me is you trade away Kakinen, and I think that'd be the type of backup you're probably looking to get if you move on from Flurry or if you move on from Talbot, resign Flurry. To me, and we talked about this again before we jumped on here, there just isn't a ton of names that jump out at me for a tandem type goalie that will cost you a reasonable number. And by that, I mean something under 4 million, which you already have Talbot, and I think you could probably get Flurry at. I think the one name you brought up is Casey DeSmith, but I think, you know, Pittsburgh would probably love to bring him back to tandem with Jari. And I'm sure hundreds of other teams would like to get him too. Um, oh, so I don't well, think the, the worry for me is if DeSmith's available, it probably means that they brought Flurry in, which I don't want Pittsburgh to do. Yeah. I, I mean, mean that'll break Tristan Jerry. It will. <laughs> yeah. So like, it, it's just like the free agent market doesn't scream like, yep, there's good options here. And I'm not confident either Talbot or Flurry to play 65 games each. Like, I think you need a goalie tandem that you can run a 50-50 split. And this is something I've been a proponent of. I think it's better to run a 50-50 tandem, ride a hot hand for a couple of games. We saw it work really well down the stretch this year, just playing them every other game, and they both just kept winning. Um, so that's the route I would go. I I really do. I'm leaning they'll resign Flurry again just because I don't think they have a ton of other options out there um, that could, you know, really replace what what you'd be losing um, and still feel like you're goaltending. You know, which again was was an issue this year. Um, I think you want to try to solidify that the best you can. And I think the best way to do that is to bring back Flurry. Yeah, and I think we're both kind of on the same page here that he's pretty much going to be brought back at the same thing Talbot's making. Like right yeah. now, he's three and two thirds, which it's going to be between three and a half and four if he's staying. And even beyond this year, when we look to 23, 24, whoever you sign, whether it's one of those two or someone off the market, you're probably earmarking roughly that three to 4 million again. Anyways. Yep. I agree. Awesome. So then beyond that, cause we kind of hit on it too, with, you know, Matt Zuccarello, right? Everyone talks about trading him just cause they look at the dollar figure in the age there's a handful of guys on this team that untouchable is the wrong word because for the right price, like most people are available, but let's just establish who we kind of see as not being tradable. Well, Spurgeon and Brodine, I believe both have, and Kaprizov, I believe all three of those have full no move clauses. Eck might too. Which let's be real for the money he's making. We're not trading them anyways. Right. Here, let me see. Does I have to go to this one? Hang on. Um, let's see. Yeah. So Zuccarello has a no move. Spurgeon. Well, 10 team, no trade, but still that's, I mean, I just don't see him being moved based on all scenarios. Yeah. I don't think that kicks in until free agency. So it's still a no move as of now. Um, so they couldn't like trade him at the draft. 
Um, so Zuccarello, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Goligoski, um, all have no moves, and then Flurry, Kulikov, Dumba have modified no trades. Um, so I mean those. I mean obviously the ones that have full no moves, you're not moving them. Um, I wouldn't trade any of. And I would have trade Goligoski, sure, but they just gave him that, so you're not going to ask him to waive it mm-hmm. right after he signs it. But I'm not trading Spurgeon or Brody, and that would just be dumb. <laughs> um, Zuccarello, we talked about you're not trading him. I mean, Boldy, I think, is untouchable. Yeah, um, the, the three that I kind of want to ask about, because I'm with you on all these so far, it crushes my soul, but I imagine Kalen Addison is absolutely primed for a trade just given where we're at with how deep the defense pool is and seeing that right now there's not a spot for him in the roster, right? Yeah. Uh, he is the player I'm the most confused about and really want clarity on what his future here looks like. Because the, for me, there's also the argument is like when Bill Guerin came in, his most tradable asset was Jason Zucker. And he went out, went back to his former team and he traded for Kalen Addison, a guy he drafted, a guy he helped develop. So like to me, it in a year and a half, two years, do you really think he's not worth it? And we've seen projection models, like his production is like on par for like star probability defenseman. And I still really do stand behind what I say in that I think he could be a Sam Gerrard type, that number four defenseman who, yes, is the undersized, but God, he can move the puck. He's mobile. He can play in transition. You can quarterback your second power play. First you got to probably put, you got to put them with, you know, a, a bigger responsible defenseman, but wherever he goes, he's going to be an NHL defenseman. I would hate to see him go somewhere and be successful. That's not Minnesota. Um, but at the same time too, and I, you know, I talked about maybe not wanting to healthy scratch a 1.2 million John Merrill, but also that's like not the worst thing for a seventh defenseman to pay in that much. If Kalen Addison earns that spot, sure. um, I don't know if him and Goligoski would be a dominant pairing, but I think you could do worse. So, I mean, shit, man, at that point, it, it the minutes are going to be the problem where we'll probably disagree on it and it won't work. But Goligoski and Spurgeon had times where it looked okay. The mm-hmm. minutes, again, that Spurgeon's going to play probably makes it less than ideal. But, dude, big, defensively responsible defenseman? Sounds like Addison and Middleton would be a great match. Yep. And I, and I, you know, if there were flashes where Merrill and Addison, I thought, looked very competent together this year, too. Mm-hmm. Kind of in that first stretch when Addison came up, that was the pairing, and their underlying numbers were fine. Yeah. Um, I, I think the key is you just kind of have to keep them away. Like, you're not, you don't want Kalen Addison out there against, you know, Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Andeskog and Mikko Ranson. He's going to get shredded. But mm-hmm. I think if you can play the matchups the right way and kind of get him out against, you know, maybe those third, fourth lines, where he can tap into the offense against a little bit weaker skills, I think he'd be serviceable. So, mm-hmm. Could he be a trade candidate? Yes, but to me, I just I think it's too early. I think he needs to play games this year, he, and obviously has to earn those games. But I think it'd be a mistake to move him. I really do. Oh, I very much feel that way too. The only reason I can see it because I'm with you. Like Garen brought him in for a reason, and I've I loved Kalen Addison when he was with the Penguins. But knowing how much you have there, if Kalen Addison's realistically not cracking the lineup this year, you know you're two years away from having three guys that all probably have a chance to jump into the lineup. Like at that point is Kalen Addison, someone that you can include in a move to bring back something of value, whether that's pairing him with Fiala for a massive return or something separate entirely. If you're trying to bring in someone for the top six, I don't want it, 
I don't even know that I expect it, but it's something that's kind of on my radar as a possibility. Um, the two forwards I want to mention, because like you'll probably sigh, eye roll, whatever. <laughs> it's not a matter of not liking the players. It's not a matter of not thinking that their contracts are incredible value. It's also realizing that that's ammo that's really going to get you a big return if you're trying to bring someone else in. Any room for the possibility of trading one of Jordan Greenway or Ryan Hartman? Greenway, I don't think so. I think we've seen how important the grief line is to this team. I mean, I hate the identity line term. Um, but, you know, it, I think there's very strong correlation to when that line has a good game and the team wins, and when that line has a bad game, the team loses. Um, and we've seen when any one of them, whether that's Ben Felino or Greenway or Eck, if there's been someone missing that line, this isn't the same. Um, you know, I think part of me maybe thought Duham could fill that role, but as the season went on, I just it's the discipline there just sure doesn't work for me. I think Connor Dewar could play that role. Um, I'm with you on that, but he doesn't bring the size. And and to me, Greener really came on the second half of this season, and he started playing how you wanted him to. Were, were the offensive numbers crazy? No, but I don't think they had to be, right? There wasn't that pressure when when you had that, that Fiala-Boldy line kind of producing. Greenwood just had to be big, drive the net and forecheck, and I think when he get established that game, he looked really good. Um, and Felino, I think, is just too important of a leader. Um, I think he's a guy that will – I think they're going to be able to continue to lock in on team-friendly deals um, over and over again. I think they're going to do whatever they can to keep that line together for as long as they can or until they start to really falter. Um, could they be pieces? Maybe. Yes. Um, Hartman's the interesting one. Um, I think it depends how this year goes. Um, I, I don't think it's a this year thing. It could maybe be a next year thing that that team friendly hits got to be attractive. Um, if you know, but if he continues to be that guy between Caprice, two, two, two first, two first round picks from Tampa, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Certainly, I mean that's is it off the table? No, but would it be right. crazy to think about based on what we've seen some deadline deals turn to with for these you know quote unquote depth guys? Also, no. Right. Um, but you know, we had a career year this year, so I think a big piece of it is can he replicate that? And the second part is will he continue to play that role? You know, it he may, maybe he starts the year there, and maybe as Marco Rossi gets more games, maybe he's elevated to that spot. Um, maybe they do bring in someone else there. So I think it, it just depends where they see his fit long-term. Um, but I would say as of this year, they're probably not looking to move him because I think he's the, like, that's the type of value they need to continue to find. And I think especially in this cap crunch, unless you're getting a really absurd return, I just don't see them trading someone um, who put up 60 points, 65, I think it was um, for an exact number. That's making $1.7 million for the next, is it three? Is it two years now? Two or? more. Yep. Two more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so from my perspective, cause I'm totally with you on all those points and being in the cap crunch, like you need players on reasonable contracts that can contribute. It, it comes down to what's the return of course, but like a guy like Hartman, right? The value there in a guy that can put up 65 points, like you said, can play up and down the lineup and, really good cap hit helps you bring things back when Greenway, right? I think he had a phenomenal year. I previous to this year, I was one that ragged on him because I expected more Me and too. I never saw it this year. He killed it. He did mm -hmm. everything I could have asked. And man, in a vacuum, that $3 million contract is incredible. 
out of a vacuum and looking at the wild situation, I feel like, like you said, Duhame, I don't think that he's a fit, but a guy like Dewar, I think there's other guys that could be called up from Iowa or guys that you could sign that can fit in with Eck and Felino, not to the same degree, but if you can get even close and then free up two plus million in cap space, shit, you could even slot Ryan Hartman down there potentially. There's just ways that you're not only going to be able to bring in better assets by trading a guy like that, but also be able to have more flexibility with the cap, even if it's just a couple mil. Like we're going to see with some of these exercises, that's going to be important. I'm not going to abuse that by any means, but there might be one or two times where I explore the potential of including him to make something work. But I'm with you. Like, that's not something that I see happening. Yeah, at least not this year. Again, I think, you know, if this, depending how this year goes, maybe there's things they look at next year. But as of now, I don't think that's something on their radar. No, for sure. Um, Well, cool. I, I think that's good enough for setting the table here. Again, moving forward on Wednesdays, we'll have one or two uh hypothetical scenarios that we're dropping tune in later today we will be dropping the first one being uh do you want to do you want to tee it up brett um well i think the la kings would be a good trade partner and they have a deep prospect pool they have lots of picks so i'm gonna go grab some stuff for them from them beautiful everyone tune back in for that again obviously check out brett and the boys over at sound the foghorn at sound the foghorn on twitter Brett, it's at B underscore Marsh 92. Did I remember that? Yes, sir. Holy shit, that's creepy. All right, check them out. And please, 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 we'll be posting uh, about this every week, of course. But on the initial post here, give us your crazy hypotheticals that you want to see played out, whether it's a player you want us to go grab or some way that you want us to be moving Dumba or Fiala. We don't care. We're just going to explore all of it. Um, But tune in for the rest. Let us know your thoughts. We'll see you next time. Peace.